It's not a formal county rule, was it? No. It was not a formal county rule. It wasn't a formal rule. It was. Jesus, <laughs> Which committee should you go to? I understand, but it was, yeah. You got 30 seconds? We're ready when you are. Good afternoon, everyone. The Sacramento City Council will please come to order. Would the clerk call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Councilmember Kaplan. Here. Councilmember Lalowy. Here. Councilmember Talamantes. Here. Councilmember Valenzuela. Here. Councilmember Maple. Here. Mayor Pro Tem Guetta. Here. Councilmember Jennings is expected momentarily. Um, Councilmember Vang or Mayor Pro Tem Vang. Here. And Mayor Steinberg. I'm here. Uh, would Councilmember Kaplan? Please lead us in the land acknowledgement and the Pledge of Allegiance. Please rise for the opening acknowledgement. Your mic. I got it. There you go. There we go. Hey. Please rise for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, the Valley and Plains Miwok, the Patwin Wintum people, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, members and members of the public, before we get started tonight, um, this city council, since the beginning of COVID, uh, March of 2020, has rightfully uh, gone above and beyond what has been required in terms of protection of each other, uh, protection of the public, and modeling uh, the best behavior. In fact, so much so that we returned to open session together um, at a significantly later date than uh, a lot of other public bodies, right or wrong. We thought that that was the right thing to do. Since we've come back, uh, we required informally that members of the public and members of the council wear masks. And obviously, um, that's a good precaution. But I also think it is time um, that we give the members and the members of the public the discretion to use their best judgment around, around what they feel, what everybody feels comfortable with, and deciding whether or not you want to wear a mask. And so tonight I'd say, um, and to be honest, it's a minor inconvenience, but it is a little harder to communicate with each other and the public with the masks on. So members' judgment, if you're feeling uh, sick or you're just coming off of uh, a flu or a bad cold or something, obviously it's, it's the right thing and a good precaution. But I want to leave it to everybody's good judgment. That includes members of the audience and, uh, and, and that's the way I think it should be without objection. All right? Thank you. Um, 
let us, uh, we have a short agenda tonight. And by the way, for the new members especially, uh, not every meeting will be a short agenda. In fact, we are, we, we, <laughs> we are, we are easing, we are easing everybody in. Um, but it's okay, as Councilmember Talamantes and I were uh, talking about uh, coming down, you know, to start to ease in just a little bit. Um, tonight we have a very, very important subject to, to talk about. Um, and next week we're going to have, I, I think, a pretty full agenda. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to start getting heavier. But, uh, and welcome, Councilmember Jennings. Um, and so tonight let us begin with uh, the closed session excuse me, not with the closed session, with the consent calendar, and ask whether there are any items which members would like to uh, discuss separately and or vote on separately. I don't see anybody up in the speaker queue. Is there public testimony on the consent calendar? Um, yes, Mary, I have two hands raised, and I would like to remind members of the public, if you'd like to speak on an agenda item, um, when the agenda item begins, if you're in council chambers, please fill out a speaker slip and turn that into the clerk. If you're on Zoom, raise your hand. And after the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips in the chambers and the raise hand feature in Zoom will be disabled. As I said, I have two online. First one is call in user one. If you'll unmute. Yes, this is uh, Lambert Davis and I'm calling on number four. The reason I'm calling on number four is because I've been studying this department, arts and culture and the economy, and I believe that the lady named Megan is doing a wonderful job mm -hmm. trying to include uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I, I believe that from when I encountered her when she uh, came to District 2, and the mayor was there, and Mr. Lololi, and, and it, that was a wonderful meeting. And I've heard a lot of people that are in that world, economy, uh, the arts, culture, they've spoken very highly of her. So because I saw that it pertained to Megan, I wanted to throw my endorsement in there and say that I think she's doing a wonderful job. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Shira Lane. Hi, my name is Shira. Thank you for having me. Um, I want to also say that Megan's doing a fabulous job. Um, I want to welcome the first, the new council members, and um, I'm really excited that um, the city is getting funding from the county. Um, I do want to say that, although thank you, Mayor and council members, that we got the biggest amount of funding during COVID, um, arts and culture is still not a line item on the city budget. Um, back in 2008, uh, arts and culture used to get a portion of TOT tax dollars, and that was taken away during the Great Recession and has not been reinforced. So while we have seen the most funds during COVID, thanks to the mayor and, and some of the council members that are, on, on, that are here right now, um, I'm looking for, at, ahead at 2425, and we need to figure out some kind of sustainable revenue system for arts and culture in our city. Um, we're the capital, and we need to figure out how we have sustainable funds. We are not a line item on the city budget. 
not receiving sustainable revenue from TOT currently. Um, so just want to put that on the agenda on the minds and thank you for considering it. Thank you for your comments. Um, Tom Hip is our final speaker on the consent calendar. Tom Hip. Tom, it shows that you're unmuted. It's your turn to present to the council. Mr. Mayor, I do show I'm unmuted, but okay. not speaking. Mr. Hip, is it? Okay. Um, sorry, maybe you could call in next week and we're happy to hear from you or you can call any of our offices and we'd be happy to help you and, and hear your concern. All right. Um, members, let's move to the one discussion item on tonight's Mr. Mayor, I'll move the we consent calendar. Consent calendar, yeah. that's right. So, Do I have know, a motion? Such details. Uh, <laughs> so, Mayor, I have a Mayor, I have a motion by by Vice Mayor Guetta and a second by Council Member Maple. Thank, thank you. I need saving. Thank you. And we can do all in favor. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, aye. abstain. Okay, thank you for helping me out, Vice Mayor. We do move to the one discussion item tonight and to, you know, the, the average citizen, a resident out there, you may look at this, oh, another report from another governmental agency about an update to some program. As I introduced James Corliss, uh, who is the executive director of the Sacramento Area Council of Governments, I just want to say that this is a really important uh, presentation. It's really important because the Metropolitan Transportation Plan, the Sustainable Community Strategy is in fact the literal blueprint, and that's what it was called when it was first envisioned, for how the city, the county, and the region should and must grow over the course of the next years and decades if we are going to meet our climate goals and if we are going to uh, sustain a good, uh, healthy way of living in Sacramento. And after the failure of Measure A in uh, November of 2022, this last November, what Mr. Corliss is about to present to us in the discussion we're going to have is really, really important as a crucial point, I wouldn't just say a starting point, for our collective discussion as a council, as a county, and as a region about what we should do going forward on transportation, on housing, and on climate. So with that, no pressure, Mr. Corliss, uh, with that introduction, I want to welcome you and uh, ask you to tell us what uh, you want us to think about and consider in the days and months ahead. Well, Mayor Steinberg, uh, great introduction. I'm, I'm glad we were uh, compelling enough for you to. Did you, did you say governor? You said mayor. I think I said I mayor. Said mayor. Was that a Freudian slip? I don't okay, know. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I think I said mayor so far. Um, it's, it's, it's great to be here. I really appreciate being able to do this in person in front of all of you. Uh, uh, welcome to those who are new on serving on the city council. It's great to, great to see you. Um, and I just want to recognize our, uh, our veteran board member appointment uh, to SACOG, Council Member Rick Jennings, 
who chaired the board of directors last year of SACOG and did an incredible job. In fact, a lot of what I'm going to talk to you about tonight, you'll see is has got his fingerprints all over it and couldn't ask for better leadership. And then I want to say welcome to council member Mai Vang, who is going to be our second appointment on the board of directors. Um, so, uh, Mayor Steinberg, I think you set this up really well. And I know whenever we talk about regional planning or government plans, yes, we run the risk of people's eyes glazing over. So I want to I want to try to frame this tonight as this is a plan that will actually stretch into the year 2050. This is a plan for the next 28 years, and it asks the fundamental questions of what kind of a place do we want to live in? What kind of housing do we want to have? How affordable should it be? How are we going to move around? How are our children, our grandchildren, the next generations, how are we going to leave them a place that is better than we found it? That is essentially the question. How can we do that by guiding transportation, land use, housing, jobs, development, growth patterns, uh, racial equity, climate change? All of these things are inherent in this plan. So just to back up a little bit. So the council of governments are SACOG. Some people uh, often think this is just within Sacramento County, but I want to remind you all, uh, we're a massive metropolitan region. We cover six counties and 22 cities. Uh, and what is unique in many ways about your Council of Governments is that every single city sits on the SACOG board. Mayor Steinberg mentioned the blueprint. And I hope if you don't know, um, uh, we get a chance to talk to you a little bit about the voluntary bottom-up uh, growth process and really um, sort of public engagement around a plan in 2004 that was called the blueprint. It took two years to get to that point. And during those two years, from 2002 to 2004, the region said it did not look like the look of where it was heading. Its future was more air pollution, worse traffic, less affordability, right? So the blueprint was a 20-year-ago bottom-up resident-led process that led to a reformation of the SACOG board and having every single city and county sitting around that table. But it also said, uh, we're not gonna accept just status quo. We're not gonna accept the straight line trends. A couple of lawsuits didn't help, didn't hurt either. Uh, and so that really started, uh, it, you know, this, is, this, has, this blueprint plan from 20 years ago run national awards. And the latest plan that we're about to update that we want all of your help with and all your residents and your districts is going to be called the blueprint for precisely that reason, because we think it's time to revisit where we're heading, uh, our long-term projections. And I'm not here to, tonight to sugarcoat anything. I'm saying, uh, in many ways, some of our indicators were off track. And maybe I don't have to tell you that. Maybe that's why you ran for office, or you're worried about this too. But in terms of our uh, carbon emissions and climate, in terms of our racial disparities, in terms of our transportation system falling apart, Right? Our, our region and our city being less affordable, these are not the right in trends. So we want to disrupt those and we want to change them. But, but again, the council of governments that you sit on, you have two seats on, is every single city and county. So you sit along every side, alongside every jurisdiction. We do more than just transportation. People think of us as a transportation agency, but we do housing. Uh, we do climate planning, as, as, the, as the mayor referenced. Uh, and we're here in many ways to help all of you as individual jurisdictions. So I, 
really here tonight to do two things. One is to really tee up and give you a preview of our long-range plan, we're calling the blueprint, that we're redoing this next year in 2023, and really ask for your help uh, and tell you that we want you and your residents to be engaged. And then I want to just give you a couple of things to end on that are the initiatives that we have been undertaking, I mentioned Councilmember Jennings, that are the, the, the implementation of our last plan, right? What does it look like on the ground in order for us to be able to uh, actually implement our long-range plan? So, okay, a little bit about Regional Planning 101. Um, the mayor mentioned the Metropolitan Transportation Plan Sustainable Community Strategy. It's a mouthful, we're calling it the blueprint, but it is that plan as the mayor well knows, we have to do it. We have to meet a lot of federal and state requirements. One of the state requirements is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from the transportation sector by 19% per capita by 2035, from a 2005 base year. That is not easy to do. We barely made it last time, and it's going to take a lot in order for us to make it this next time. It's important that we do it, though. And it's going to take, require some really critical conversations, some tough conversations, and some trade-offs. So this is a strategic plan. We don't just take all the general plans across the region and add them all up and staple them together. That's the reason we have the staple in the bottom left corner. We're not stapling. We're not just trying to say, okay, what are all your transportation projects? No problem. We'll fund all of them. This is a strategic plan, right? We have limited resources and limited dollars. We actually couldn't even build out all the general plans in the region if we wanted to. So where is actually the best place to, place to direct growth and more housing and more reinvestment, right? And those are strategic questions that this plan has to answer. So um, here's my analogy. If you had a house and you had to do a, a, a renovation to it and your family perhaps was growing, right? You wanted more space. You felt a little bit cramped, but your roof had a hole in it, and, and you, wanted to, you wanted to add a second story, and your foundation was crumbling. You couldn't do all those things. You didn't have money to do it all, right? So you got to be thoughtful and smart about how you both fix what's broken and figure out how to strategically give yourself more space and expand. That's the essential challenge of our long-range plan. We don't have all the money in the world. The feds are not going to come and rain dollars down on us, although we're going to fight like hell to go get competitive grants at the federal level and the state capital, but they're not going to solve it all for us. Even if Measure A had passed, we wouldn't have all the money in the world. So we have to be thoughtful. We have to be strategic. We have to be performance-based. And so in the, when we develop this plan, you'll hear a lot from your staff and all across the region about what projects are in our long-range plan, what projects are not, what growth development patterns are in our plan, what specific plans and new growth areas are not in our plan. So it's very important. We don't take all that and put it in. It's a strategic conversation. And that's what's happening between now and um, the end of the summer. And uh, I've got Hannah Shuden here from our staff who we're ready to do events in your communities. We're ready to do pop-up events and engage your, engage your residents in this process. The framework of the plan uh, that is guided by board action from last year is a triple bottom line framework. And we want to hold all these goals uh, 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 as high as we possibly can. It's a triple bottom line framework of equity, economy, environment. In other words, how do we invest in our infrastructure and how do we grow and get more housing and housing options that are affordable, that maximizes equity, that maximizes economic prosperity, 
and that maximizes environmental sustainability and, and especially climate resilience and climate adaptation, which I probably don't have to convince you about, but we are ground zero for that. Um, so we have to do all of those things. We have to do them actually required to do them by federal and state law, but we want to do them, right? We want to maximize those three goals. I mentioned transportation. It's how largely, uh, again, some people think about us and as an agency that we do, and yes, we do transportation. We, uh, we want to support your local staff in funding really critical projects, uh, like a lot of your complete streets and your safety projects and your protected bike lanes, as we're showing right here. Uh, we've, we're a big partner with Sacramento Regional Transit and funding a lot of the transit projects. We help stand up the bike share program. Um, there's a lot of things that we're involved in from a transportation perspective. But again, from a budget perspective over a long-range plan, we're not going to be able to do everything. So there's going to be a very tough exercise around which are those transportation investments in the long-range plan in the city of Sacramento. They're going to move the needle on equity, economy, and environment the most. And those are the things that are going to be, that are going to be front and center. Um, the other thing which goes back to the blueprint and which Mayor Steinberg uh, uh, talked about to, to kick off this presentation is uh, while transportation is critical and we want to get as many people onto transit and biking and walking and uh, van pooling and telework as possible, a lot of our climate strategy is actually a housing strategy. Our climate strategy for this region is actually building housing where people don't need to drive as much. And uh, we, as, we are one of the fastest growing regions in California, so the last census, we are faster growing now percentage-wise than the Bay Area, LA, and San Diego. We have more of our growth still in front of us than most regions in California. So the decisions we make about how to grow, phasing that growth, the balance between urban infill, suburban revitalization, and phased greenfield development, that balanced portfolio of growth is absolutely critical to meet, reaching our climate targets. Because if we have too many people go to the edge of the region in wonderful bedroom communities and then have to drive an hour or two hours every you know, each direction, we will, we will bust our climate targets, right? So we, do, we know we, we're in a housing crisis, we need more housing, but we need it in places where people can drive less that's more affordable and attainable. So we are gonna provide in the next couple of months the beginning set of data around our plan. And we're gonna provide the whole region and all of you and all the public three different what we call pathways. You might think of them as scenarios and sort of scenario planning. And one pathway sort of illustrated by this example on pathway number one will actually not focus as much development in the existing urban area uh, and even the existing suburban area, but more on the edge. Pathway two will have a bit of a balance, about two-thirds in the existing area, uh, one-third new growth area in the greenfield on the edge. And finally, uh, pathway three will be largely a revitalization of our existing urban footprint. An interesting little fact if we looked at all the growth that is still in front of us in our region, we could accommodate it all on our current urbanized footprint. All the vacant strip malls and the underutilized parcels and the parking lots, and I'm not just talking about downtown Sacramento, I'm talking the entire region. We could actually accommodate, not with Manhattan-style 20-story, but just duplexes and triplexes, build it on our current existing footprint. So the question is, you know, do we want to do that? Uh, what are the barriers to doing that? Is that a good idea? Are there other things that will come along with that? We believe the answer to that is largely yes. 
And one of the biggest barriers that we've discovered is, um, and we can talk about CEQA, and we can talk about, you know, do communities, are they involved in their planning for their neighborhoods, all very valid, but the very inglorious water, sewer, and utility infrastructure upgrades are actually the thing that is, that is turning off the spigot to development in our, in our older suburban and urban neighborhoods, commercial corridors, and strip malls. So we have a program I'll talk about in a second called Green Means Go, which is all about trying to get infrastructure dollars from the state and the feds to help revitalize a lot of our existing communities that can make this housing happen. But these three scenarios and these pathways will be really important. And we're gonna, yes, talk about the greenhouse gas reduction that's available in each of these that we project, because that's a big state requirement we have to meet. But we're also gonna give you uh, quality of life, access to jobs, access to childcare, uh, the ability to have transportation choices and housing choices. On these pathways, we're gonna be able to actually give you uh, what does it look like for people's daily lives? Are they able to walk and bike and be healthy? We're gonna give you health statistics air quality, physical mobility, right? So it's gonna be a really rich and robust set of data that we hope to give you on these three choices. The, the, the point is not for the region and all of you to choose one. The point is to have a discussion about what's the future look like and what are the upsides and downsides of different scenarios, right? Each one of these, infill, balance, and sprawl or, or exurban growth. So we hope that's gonna be really illustrative. And again, we will begin that process around March and we'll have months and months culminating in a larger public forum in June. And then that will all feed into what we call our preferred scenario this fall. And I mentioned engagement. We really want your help, right? We want your help and we, want, and we will work, we work very closely with your staff, but uh, we wanna get out, not just hold a uh, public hearing at the SACOG office at night, but we wanna get out to where your residents are. We want your local knowledge about farmer's markets and pop-up events, and we're willing to come anywhere uh, and talk to anybody. So we would love to get your help on this engagement piece. And generally speaking, the timeline on this, uh, now that we're actually into 2023, as I mentioned, is we're doing a lot of outreach and engagement. We've got these pathways. We're gonna be involving elected officials uh, uh, very closely and have a larger, as I said, public forum in June. Uh, we have said here that our adoption is 24, but with a, for a lot of reasons, we are actually looking to extend the timeline of our plan into 2025, which I can, I can get into and answer questions. So I'm just gonna give you now, so that's the, that's the basic, that's a setup on the plan. I don't have data for you, I don't have that, but I, we will soon. But I wanted to let's let you know why this is so important as, as, uh, as, our, as our board members know. And then I just wanna finish on a couple of initiatives that are really, think of them as the ways that we implement the plan and I think they are incredibly relevant here to the city of Sacramento. The first is around equity and racial equity. Um, it is, I think, very true about transportation in general as an industry that we have done a pretty bad job about really truly engaging communities, and especially disadvantaged communities, low-income communities, and communities of color, in engaging them in shaping their transportation and infrastructure future. So we wanna do better, but we're not gonna do that as SACOG, to be very clear. We're not gonna drop into your neighborhoods without your staff or you. We will do this in partnership with you. So our Air Engage uh, Empower Implement program uh, our board has put $3 million of seed fund into a community planning program, and we wanna work with all of you as the cities and counties and also your neighborhoods and, and your local knowledge uh, to really um, make sure that we are doing some really good public engagement processes to allow communities to identify their 
safety barriers, their transportation barriers, their housing challenges, and that can then help feed up into um, a lot of the work that we're doing um, to actually provide grants and help win grants on behalf of the region. I mentioned Green Means Go. This is a very exciting program because we're basically taking a state requirement and mandate and we're translating it into language and a program that I think the whole region is excited about. So excited that 28 of 28 jurisdictions support Green Means Go and 26 of 28 now have identified locally adopted by resolution green zones, which are areas that you all have agreed that you want to accelerate largely older areas, downtowns, commercial corridors, economic revitalization, more housing, more mixed use. I know it's a little hard to see, but these green areas actually represent, again, a huge piece of, uh, um, uh, of the region, not in terms of land area, but in terms of opportunity and potential. We won a statewide program of $600 million in the 2021 budget uh, to be able to uh, begin to allocate uh, dollars, and we're about to uh, announce our second round of uh, grant funding, about 33 million, coming up this spring in March. So again, this is the water, sewer, utility upgrades that we think these, um, these green zones, these infill areas are, are really critical. Let me just connect the dots too. Those green zones and those, those infill areas are largely also the very same RT, Sacramento RT bus rapid transit corridors. So we're talking Stockton Boulevard and Florin and Folsom Boulevard, right? So the very same areas that we want more transit service are the very same areas we want more people. And if we get more people there, we get more people riding RT, and we get less driving, and we get better air quality and less carbon emissions. Um, and, the, and again, the, the, the great thing about this is it's locally driven, it's super creative, uh, and we just met with Congressman Matsui this morning about this because we're now looking for federal funding because of all the Inflation Reduction Act and the bipartisan infrastructure law the Fed should be falling all over themselves, frankly, to fund this program because it meets climate goals, housing goals, and social equity goals. Um, just a few more just to kind of end on. Um, while uh, I sort of want to pop you out of not just the city and the county, but up to the six counties, it is also true, as I probably don't have to remind you, that we are now increasingly an economic mega region. We are tied, for better or worse, to the San Francisco Bay Area northern San Joaquin Valley, and actually even increasingly across the 80 and 50 corridors to Nevada. So we have a mega region working group that we have with the Metropolitan Transportation Commission, the San Joaquin Council of Governments. We've identified 12 priority projects that connect the mega region together, including, by the way, ACE and San Joaquin Rail Service that's coming up here to Elk Grove, Midtown, North Sacramento, and the airport, we hope, in about 12 to 18 months. That service should be going north to Marysville and Chico, and the San Joaquin Rail uh, corridor from Bakersfield up here is also going to increase service. So we're going to be increasingly through passenger rail, Capital Corridor, third track up to Roseville gets us 10 to 12 round trips daily, not just Placer County to downtown Sacramento, but all the way down to the Bay. So those mega region projects are, are essential. Uh, the other way we're trying to tie our region together, which I want to again just thank Councilmember Jennings for his leadership on, is our regional trails network. This is a plan that took two years, two and a half years to craft. It envisions connecting, this is sort of a, you know, a cartoon version of this, but this is building a thousand miles of paved biking and walking trails to connect every single community in this entire six county region. So think of the American River Parkway on steroids. You could literally get from downtown Sacramento to the Delta, to Tahoe, to the Yuba Sutter Buttes, get all over this safely 
uh, that's family friendly, right? That um, it's great for physical activity and frankly, uh, by, by all accounts, when we think about ma massive transportation investments, this is a bargain. This is pennies on the dollar in terms of the benefit that it could, it could yield. And particularly for disadvantaged and low-income communities, this increases access. It actually, we know that from data. Um, and again, just want to thank Councilmember Jennings on this. Um, we have a very close working relationship with Greater Sacramento Economic Council, Sac Metro Chamber, Asian Pacific Chamber, um, uh, with our prosperity strategy, right? So back to our economic E and our triple bottom line, our question to our business community is, what's the infrastructure you need to thrive? Uh, that are good, good paying jobs and decent jobs, not just, just but build anything anywhere, but actually what's the economic strategy here? So we have a very, uh, very directed economic strategy for this. We're on economic inclusion. And finally, I just want to end on the very exciting Youth Leadership Academy. I know you all have really pioneered um, a lot of your summer in City Hall and a lot of the, and this really goes credit to um, Councilmember Chenier when he was there. Started this five years ago. We take high school students from across the region. We put them through an intensive five-month program about regional planning and climate change and equity and transportation. Uh, members of Congress and legislators come talk to the kids. Uh, and they had never thought about regional plans, nor did they realize we were planning their future. So when they find out that this plan called the blueprint that we're doing is actually about their future, they get incredibly engaged. So with that, um, just want to end there. I really want to thank you for your time and attention, uh, and I'd love to answer any questions you may have. Thank you, James. I just want to thank Jennings as well, who chaired the SACOG board um, through, let's just say, a very challenging year, um, and did so uh, adroitly, uh, working to bring everyone uh, together. A lot to learn from that process, but uh, certainly uh, the board was well led. And, and just on, uh, I do want to give gratitude to your staff, by the way. Your staff is really great to work with, transportation, land use, housing planning. Uh, I know you know this from a pro the pro-housing designation from the state of California. You were the first. I hope you know all you, we are. Our region has four of the only seven in a state. So from a, we have to be good actors at the state level in order for the state to recognize us and invest in us. We're doing really well and your staff is leading the way. First in, and you're getting a, a big bump now in terms of additional funding that's coming because of that. That's because of the hustle and hard work of your staff. So I do want to give them a lot of credit. Thank you. We agree. So let's turn it over. I'm going to open up to members first before we take the public testimony. Let's have a discussion and we'll hear from the public. Let's start with Vice Mayor Guetta, Councilmember Jennings, Councilmember Valenzuela, and I want to add a comment or two uh, about going forward. Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I, I first, I would thank, want to thank uh, you know uh, James, you and all of your your team at SACOG for <coughs> sorry, excuse me for all of their uh, their uh, hard work in, in this. It's not it's not easy trying to bring in um, the multiple counties, and I think what what uh, SACOG uh, maybe it might be lost in the sometimes when you're in the city of Sacramento, but. SACOG represents, uh, you know, what I would say is uh, a big uh, cross-section of California. You know, obviously we have the urban area of Sacramento, very dense uh, in certain areas, suburban uh, as well, but also the rural challenges as well. So, and, uh, and 
just the history of itself, the logistical nature of, of this region, you know, ever since uh, it started. So I think the ability for your staff to be able to put together something uh, like this has, has, has been great. And the, the other thing about the blueprint, because um, I remember participating in the blueprint, you know, uh, I think it was a memorial auditorium, um, and uh, with, there was a number of us at, at Sac State who were engaged, um, you know, trying to trying to get uh, more transportation options for students. But I, I, I feel like the, you know, even more so now, um, the fact that we don't do enough of uh, conversations about our future, what does it mean? I mean, it's too easy uh, many times for uh, local elected officials to respond to the day-to-day -day challenges and then start, lose sight of that long-term planning, that long-term needs that happens. And, and yes, in many of our communities, I mean, there are significant day-to-day -day challenges that our families in, uh, need, but um, I still recall, you know, asking why the light rail didn't go through Sac State when most of us needed it, and that lack of forward planning from the the, uh, from my understanding, the chancellor's office in in uh, in the uh, early 70s uh, or late 70s when they were having the discussion about where you know what kind of future do we want? We don't have enough of that. So uh, the, the first comment I, I want to say is I, I appreciate what SACOG is doing about uh, making sure that we have uh, much more engagement in this and with, our, with the diversity of our community. Because I will say when I participated in that first blueprint, uh, as, as much as they, the, there was an effort, I still saw the participation of, of those involved being pretty homogenous. You know, it was folks who were engaged, people were connected to government, had some kind of relationship. Uh, and, and very little engagement with the community. So I, the fact that you are, are working on uh, you know, this rec racial equity and inclusion to look at making sure how are we bringing in voices from that are not normally represented is an important part uh, to highlight. And the second to say, you know, uh, I, I want to volunteer and welcome at any one of our community events, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, back to the neighborhood of Glen Elder in the George Sim Community Center, whether it's our food trucks at Tahoe Park or you know, uh, you know, even the 4th of July events, you know, I think wherever there's people, we need to be having this conversation about, you know, what do we see ourselves in 30 years? And, uh, you know, having had the opportunity to travel both to Europe and even most recently over the holidays to visit my family in Mexico City in Mexico, um, we haven't done that in a, in a good way, you know. And so I think that forward planning and having folks engaged enough to think about what is the future hold for us. Um, I want to also say that I uh, I agree with you on the on the this concept about uh, you know what we have now right you know the land that we have access to already today I mean I'm, obviously the process of the blueprint is going to have that community conversation and I think we've had uh, in the, here in the city we've had that quite a fair bit that's led to what I think is innovative and SACOG should be applauded for its creativity on the concept of green means go we started that conversation uh, here in, in in the city, when we were looking at inclusive economic development, uh, first of all, our first commercial corridor strategy, when we were looking at how do we improve uh, high, uh, safety and in, uh, in our areas where there are uh, former highways, there are commercial areas. Highway 50 uh, was Flor Folsom Boulevard and uh, Stockton Boulevard was old Highway 99. Franklin got you to the town of Franklin. And so uh, those corridors, uh, you know, we, we still see those challenges. Um, I, I want to commend uh, and thank, uh, you know, SACOG for supporting the San Juan Motel project. And that's an, 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 uh, an example 
of how it's land that's been vacant and left uh, for so long, um, un underutilized, where you actually can get anywhere in RT in 30 minutes in the city or 45 minutes in the, the greater RT system if we had housing there. It would have never been built had we not focused on the needs to figure out uh, the sewer water stormwater runoff. And I think the, the SACOG should be commended because once, once you were able to lobby for the, at the state level, other jurisdictions came in and said, hey, we want, we want a little piece of that action too. And so there's a lot of credit to go to that effort. Uh, I will say though that I think that's where our neighboring cities should have followed suit and supported you at a stronger level as well. And I, and I think that um, you know, our city should, uh, as we move through the blueprint process, uh, should uh, and encourage our other cities to support SACOG's efforts as we move forward because clearly this administration thought that that was a fruitful process and I would welcome that. I, I think that in your, during your blueprint conversations, that also needs to happen is, is how, uh, how the public can be more engaged. And what does, what do, and having a bigger conversation, is what as a region, how we all affect each other. You know, um, the, uh, the, we all know the, the environmental impacts and obviously AB 617 is a, you know, has required the state to identify some community air protection zones. And they have one of them as the, the 10 in the state happens to be in South Sacramento. But that heat island effect that happens here starts in South Sacramento, but it ends up in Roseville and Loomis. The fact that we can't build uh, more housing here creates a pressure where now you have to have you know, funding for the 80 and 80 and, you know, 65 over by Rockland. So those all, I think as you move forward in the blueprint conversation, I think making sure that SACOG is that entity that they're also having that intersectionality of, of how our region works is going to be beneficial. So um, those are just some comments. I think right now, I think that as you, as you move forward, uh, it's important that you don't not only just say, what do we need locally for this community, but how does what's happening in this community affect an adjacent community. Um, the mega region, you know, uh, everyone, I, I remember I think 15 years ago, the conversation of this mega region was, was being shared about, well, we just saw the negative externalities of the mega region with, with uh, Zoom. It, it, it inflated housing prices and created a cost pre uh, a pressure that we saw coming because maybe if we increased, you know, the rail system, that would have happened. Well, Zoom has actually has, uh, exacerbated that. So. I think the, the, the positive things of the mega region is a, is a stronger regional economy, but the negative things means we gotta think more aggressively, move faster. Uh, with that, I'll say, uh, I think the, the, this is a, um, a great uh, conversation for us to be engaged in the public and to be more thoughtful about how are we engaging those who aren't normally involved. We're gonna have all our folks that are involved with the APA engaged, we're gonna have folks in ECOs, we're gonna have the development community, the labor community involved, but, we need to be reaching out into the community that that, uh, that normally doesn't get uh, connected. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor, and uh, you know, I, again, um, uh, I appreciate all the efforts, and we've got uh, I think till 2025 now as we move through this blueprint process. So. Thank you, Vice Mayor, Councilmember Jennings. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, <laughs> I just want to let my colleagues know that uh, one of the best things I've ever done in the time that I've spent on this council is to represent SACOG, uh, the Sacramento Area Council of Gov Governments, and to push myself outside of my comfort zone. You know, being a council member for a city, a city of Sacramento is a great honor.
being involved in a regional effort like SACOG has really taken it to a whole nother level. And I would encourage each and every one of us to try to get a seat on the SACOG board or regional board during our time of sitting here because it's so um, empowering to see all the cities when they come together and they start working together. And that's what I saw at SACOG. And so uh, wonderful leadership. Our current CEO who's standing in front of us is one of the best known in the entire country for what he does. And he has the staff behind him to support him as he moves forward. Incredible staff. Anytime they prepared me in order to lead those kind of meetings the way they did, I can tell you they were an incredible staff. So I want to thank them in advance. Um, this is a great opportunity, and I think James is talking to us now about the outreach and the engagement. And our responsibility as council members to make sure that those who <coughs> traditionally don't get to the table get to the table and that we do everything we can to make sure over this period of time to be able to get them to the table. And, and we've got to be creative in being able to do that. Um, and so, I, you know, even though we have time, we don't have time. And we need to have that sense of urgency to move forward now so that we can hear the voice of the people and do outreach and engagement in ways that need to be done. I thank you for all the compliments that you've given me. Um, I think that I was a part of a great team where together we achieved a whole lot. Um, but I think there's a whole lot more to achieve. And so I, I think you know that. And I'm looking forward to the blueprint as it relates to our climate goals, our healthy living, our land use, our transportation, our housing, all those things that we have to plan for. And I have a saying that I live by, <coughs> failure to plan is planning to fail. And this is not a region that will fail. And so with your leadership and this council working hard with you, we will do everything necessary. Councilmember Vang and I will represent the council, will be the voice for Sacramento, but at the same time, we know our mayor will be working right there with us as he did through the entire term of, of my leadership. Side by side, when we needed him, he was always there. And so I just want to thank you for coming tonight to talk about the blueprint, explain it, make sure that we know how we can get involved and engaged and how we can move forward to get everyone uh, engaged in the process. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Chairman. <laughs> <laughs> Councilmember Valenzuela. Thank you, um, and I want to echo James. Thanks for coming and your staff who's here um, in the audience. This is really exciting. I remember when we took office and realized that the city was in the middle of a general plan update. We were like, oh, good. <laughs> um, it gives you a chance to jump in and really engage in the process. But I think what you're speaking to, to put a finer point on your presentation, it's it's really about trade-offs. You know, you make a huge investment in a new road or a big freeway expansion project that's hundreds of millions of dollars that could have been spread out into hundreds of smaller speed bumps and bike lanes and bike trails and the sort of things that make our neighborhoods really safer and really great. And so this is um, really about discipline and more than anything. And I think what this represents is a real opportunity to bring the community with us because there's so much 
lack of understanding of, well, I just, you know, what, what, how this all connects to making transit work, to making traffic less, to making it safer for kids to walk around and get to and from the parks, that this is a real opportunity for us to go out to the community and bring them along and help them see how they fit in this big, big regional plan and to get their input, but not to start from scratch. You know, we talked to of climate folks recently and we have so many plans in our city and I know before the new council members came in Ryan's team gave the big presentation on here's our top transportation priorities if we can get these projects lined up we feel like we're really going to be moving in a good direction and so I see this as an opportunity not to start from scratch because I actually find communities actually one of my first early organizing was in Councilmember Lillowey's district and I showed up and was like what do you want and they were like we've told you what we want 20 times they thought I was a city I wasn't um, and I was like okay we don't want to start from scratch it's like, here's what we've heard from you. Here's what the plans say. Is this still your priority? What, what are your priorities? And we've given you this information about this plan and how it works so that we then as council members can advocate, as I've seen Council Member Vang do for, you know, improvements on Meadowview Boulevard and other roads in her district. Like, we can start pushing for those priorities and the community understands why we're doing this and not that um, so that we can really talk that through. Um, so I do want to point, though, that I think for our colleagues, because where we fill the gap, I think, in the SACOG plan is that the big issue with this rule, and it's no, no credit, discredit at all to the law itself, Mr. Mayor, because it's a wonderful law, and I know you wrote it and are very I'm proud of that. it, <laughs> SB 375, but um, it's very new growth focused. And I know for a really long time we've talked about, you know, we're not going to go to South Natomas or to Meadowview and bulldoze all the single-family neighborhoods and densify them, right? So how do we make transit work in those neighborhoods too? How do we make grocery stores work in those neighborhoods too? How do we think about, like this planning process is a great, because bringing new projects into a neighborhood can be great and densifying underutilized lots and you know bringing in new investment is wonderful, but it's not gonna get us all the way there. So I think the other side of this from our perspective and why we should engage so deeply, not only because we're the experts and, and we know our communities and we can get in there and figure out how to get that input, but because we then need to figure out what our side of this needs to be if we're gonna complement and really make that vision happen. How are we gonna make that work in a neighborhood that was built long before these principles happen so that they can enjoy the benefits of what that could look like for them as well. And that's a question that I know as we look towards, I know Remy is here from planning. I'm not going to put him on the spot because he's just sitting there trying to observe. Um, but like, how do we make that work in our general plan so that we're putting in those policies and those strategies to complement a regional vision? But I think this is really exciting and I hope all of my colleagues, I mean, the timing of our general plan, our climate action plan, all the conversations we're having, it's so ripe for us to go back out to the communities and say, hey, what do you think? What are we missing? what are your priorities and to help them understand as well that I know I'm gonna be jumping in with both feet and I hope we all will um, as well so thank you thank you Councilmember Valenzuela for your early planning uh, Councilmember Kaplan thank you so much for being here I've actually watched the blueprint over the years um, and I agree with my colleagues but I think the most important word as we look at we plan this is what is equitable investment and I think it's a balancing as well as of what exists and like council member Guerra um, talked about where the miss of how do we get light rail to Sac State which could have been planned. We all know that light rail has been planned in Natomas to get from downtown to the airport for a long time. I don't wanna lose sight of that um, because that could be something 20 years from now people go back and go, well, we've talked about it. We missed the boat on that one. Um, where I think it is, as we talk about transportation and equity, 
It's the reinvestment in existing older neighborhoods equity as well as new neighborhoods equity and how um, we connect. But I really appreciate and admire your approach of equitable investment because I think um, our most recent uh, flood and deluge of rainwater showed where there was not equitable investment in our infrastructure. As you go back, as it does start at the infrastructure of the sewers and the levees, and how do we make sure that residents are safe and we take care of those that are already here? Because how can we grow new when we don't take care of, of what we have? Um, something I know that you're gonna keep in mind, uh, but I would like to highlight when we talk about outreach, I think it's really important we hear um, appoint representatives to boards and commissions. So I hope that you do a presentation and get feedback to our Active Transportation Commission as well as our Youth Commission, because you talk about the youth voice. Each one of us as a city representative appoints um, to these, these boards and commissions that I think their voice uh, is really important as we look at the bigger, but you know, um, as I hear often in, in my neighborhood, just so you know, whatever we can do to speed up the connection of the bike trails, I know many of our residences would love to f get a slightly safer connected route from North Natomas into downtown um, so that we do have that safety. But I am all for however we can expand um, and connect all of those trails together. And thank you, Chair Jennings for that emphasis and push because that is that is huge. Getting people out of cars and in their bikes uh, for safe bike lanes. We see it all over Europe. Um, it's been done before, so I know we're not the first to, to figure it out, but thank you for what you're doing. Well, thanks, Councilmember Kaplan. And um, just, a, just a note, since you brought up the trails plan, I, you know, I showed you that kind of cartoon version up there, which you know uh, looks like a 60s postcard or something, like a nice place to visit. But if you go to our website, and, you, and anybody listening to your constituents can naturally look, uh, you'll see a pretty extensive network that connects urban, suburban, rural, and I think has a lot of connections from your district. But, but let me just, um, and I, I you know, appreciate all the positive comments, but I do want to come back to, um, as a transportation person by training, by background, right, who is desperate for this region to like flex our muscle and go win money at the state level and the capital, who don't understand our larger region, and frankly, the you know at the federal level, we got great representatives, but we are under we're underperforming, getting federal funds coming back here. If all that were true and we were really successful, we still wouldn't be able to fund everything that everybody says they want, right? And the job sometimes it lands on your doorstep, and then it sometimes lands on our doorstep, which is uh, we just don't have enough money. And so for light rail, let me, let's just, let's just mention this. We cannot extend light rail to everywhere that everyone says in the region they want it extended to. So we just can't afford to do that. Um, we probably can make some strategic investments, but we have to be thoughtful about that. And what we can do also, in addition for a fraction of the cost, is actually expand and make our bus system really fast and reliable and frequent, right? And so working with Sacramento Regional Transit, we don't have a bus rapid transit project in this whole region. Uh, we had to take our board to Salt Lake City last year to Provo, not even Salt Lake. I have nothing against Provo, but you know, small town that has its own dedicated lane, right, Councilmember Jennings? And actually, our, when our board members say, like, this is what you mean by a rapid bus that trips the lights and I gets me there really fast, I want one of these. And you can actually, they're not cheap, but they're a lot cheaper than giving everybody a light rail extension, right? So that's the kind of... I think trade-offs and um, that we have, and believe me, we're working, we work very closely with RT and all of our transit providers. 
Um, but I think Stockton Boulevard and the Route 51 line presents a great first project, excuse me, project in the region. But we need to double down and really think about what would it look like to have rapid, convenient, fast, affordable, safe bus service all over the county? And how do we do that? And where do we go beyond Stockton? Because I think that, I do think having been here now five years, but working in a lot, a lot of metropolitan regions around the, we're, we're a very bus friendly region. But we, but we need to now get the infrastructure to support that. Because I don't think it, we, we, we yet realize the potential that, that rapid bus has, as a lot of places like Mexico City, frankly, have done. Because they, you know, they, they saw that before we did. Councilmember Maple. Great, thank you so much. Um, and I really appreciate the, the high level overview too as, as, uh, for myself as a new member. I'm sure my, the other new members as well appreciate this as a way to kind of learn about what you do and our part in that. Um, I thank you to the mayor. I'm uh, gonna be on the SACRT board as well as STA. Um, transportation is a huge priority for me. It's what I heard as I knocked on thousands of doors in my district. People are desperate for ways to you know, get about the city um, and not be stuck in their cars. It's also a way that we're gonna meet our climate goals. So I look forward to working with, with you all um, and on those boards. Um, you probably saw me uh, shake my head uh, when you said <coughs> our climate strategy is a housing strategy, um, building near transit, urban infill, and uh, an affordability component to that. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I also think that your, it's also a transportation strategy for us, right? You know, if we look holistically at what our you know, future is, what our climate future is, it means that to me, um, building, building infill, building density, making sure that we're building our transit and then um, connecting people through public transit in a way that they can get to their work, they can get to childcare, they can get to everything that they need um, and not have to rely on, on cars. And so that's the, that's the future that I see. I think some of my colleagues also see that as well. Um, so I'm grateful to hear that that's a part of it. Um, and really looking forward to uh, engaging in the community in that way, working with your staff to do that. Um, one of the things that came to mind is uh, we just had a planning session for Celebrate Oak Park. It's gonna be a huge event with thousands of people. Um, that's gonna be likely in June, so that's something I'll, I'll talk to you about. Um, but also, uh, Councilmember Kaplan mentioned um, including youth in the planning process. To me, that makes so much sense, right? This is, we're not just planning for our future, we're planning for this is the future of their lives um, when they will be uh, entering the workforce, going to college, having their own families, and um, you know they should definitely be a part of this process. So engaging with school districts, I'm sure that's something that you're doing, um, and making sure that, that youth are a part of that planning process. Um, uh, I have a couple questions. One is around um, how, if at all, do you utilize technology um, to reach people in this planning process? You know, whether that's online, using social media, something else. And then another kind of unrelated question is, uh, one of the challenges that I've seen uh, as it relates to transportation especially is the balance of priorities between rural versus urban, something that um, Eric Ayer brought up. How do you do that balance when sometimes mm -hmm. those things are opposed? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, so, uh, boy, on the first, uh, and I, you know, my, between my talented staff over here um, and, and also the folks that we have back at SACOG, the folks have recognized um, I would sort of lean on that. I think um, we're always looking at new ways. I mean, you know, way back in the blueprint 20 years ago, we were doing the clickers right before people seen clickers. And so, uh, and we'll have a lot of opportunity this year. Again, part of our, you know, part of it is high tech and part of it's low tech, right? And I probably don't have to explain all this to you who probably just recently won elections by knocking lots of doors. I mean, talking to people where they're at rather than hoping they come to you is sort of a principle we try to abide by. 
uh, we're pretty active on social media, um, and we do, you know, we're doing a lot this year, I think, in terms of trying to find different ways to do like quick polls and online polls. And but honestly, if you all have any ideas from, you know, uh, from your vantage point of what you would like to see, or you think, I, I think the whole process of of engagement and using technology to engage, I think is I think is critical in a real learning. Um, you know, it's it's a real opportunity, I think, in this next plan cycle. So that's first. Second is, and I'm glad you brought up urban rural. Part of my definition of success of our region is not just that everybody knows where we are and who we are and why we're awesome and that we win more money and we win our you know more than our fair share, but that uh, that the urban core recognizes the importance and the value of the rural areas, and the rural areas are recognized that without a vital urban core, the whole region is not successful. That is part of my definition of success, right? And let me tell you something in terms of what is what you're going to hear in the coming months and years. You will hear a discussion when we do our transportation uh, grant awards coming up. Did the city of Sacramento get its fair share? And that is an absolutely fair question. You should ask that question, right? That question is as old as politics and you know Rome, right? Like, like who's getting their fair share? So ask that question, but I will tell you, sometimes you will and sometimes you won't. And our job is to figure out what are the best projects to invest in the urban core and what, how do we also provide mobility and housing and opportunity for people in rural areas? Because there's a lot of suburban poverty, there's a lot of rural poverty, and we have to figure out how to take care of all of those. And they're not the same criteria that we use. Uh, we need our own local knowledge in rural areas. Um, we're trying to figure out how to stand up a rural electric car sharing program in a rural area in our region, right? Um, so, but we can't, it's very hard to judge sometimes a project in Oak Park versus a project in Cool in El Dorado County, right? And we do the best we can and we, we try to be as transparent as we can. And yes, you're going to take a lot of growth in this region and that's going to help us meet our climate targets. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get all the funding because we've got to figure out how to also, right, make places and rural areas vital so that people don't leave them and we don't have a brain drain and all the rest of it. So, no, it, it's a simple question with a, with a it's, a, it's a really important, and we have a rural urban connection strategy that uh, my predecessor and our staff launched about 10 years ago. Now we have a coordinated rural opportunity program looking at broadband and, and levees and, 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 and things that actually rural areas need to keep their economy thriving. So, great question. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Mayor. Hi, James. I just w wanted to take this opportunity to say thank you so much for your thorough presentation. And I'm really excited to join my colleague, Councilmember Jennings, on the SACOG board this year to really help move SACOG in a way um, where we could build a region um, where, where you live, your race and ethnicity uh, shouldn't be a predictor of your health and your economic outcomes. And really excited about the racial equity work that SACOG is undergoing to ensure that we really don't leave any communities behind. Um, I'm committed, I'm excited about the outreach engagement that we're gonna undergo this year. I know that my colleagues, all of us, are absolutely uh, dedicated to this. Um, and especially engaging deeply with communities that often don't trust government or um, don't know how to navigate government, don't speak English, right? And so really looking forward to working with SACOG to make sure that we could really reach our hard-reached communities. 
Um, I think one thing that um, really uh, stood out for me was a comment made by Councilwoman uh, Valenzuela about really figuring out how we can ensure that we don't leave communities behind that were built without considering what their future looks like. I think that is probably when I think about equity is like that's like the next frontier of making sure when we're doing we're throwing out the word equity doing the outreach but how are we really being strategic and thinking about these communities that were built in the 50s and the 60s and how are we ensuring that those communities truly are part of the process when we think about dreaming and building uh, this region. Um, and then lastly, you know, I just had one question for you. Um, I know I'm not a new council member, so I know a little bit about SACOG, uh, but I will be new to the SACOG board. And I really do just have one question. I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, based on your experiences working at SACOG, um, and I'm, I'm assuming because this is a new blueprint, wanted to know, you know, what are just some lessons learned from previous blueprint, right? And what can we do differently this time around? Wow, really good questions tonight. Uh, nice job. Um, lessons learned from well, I think um, I think one lesson learned from previous blueprint is those three pathways I mentioned, which is uh, not to just give you one version of the future, but to give you something that actually is pretty differentiated, so that you understand the policy choices before all of you as elected officials in the next two years have implications for the next 25 years. Right. So that's that's one thing I think we've um, a lesson learned. Um, you know, I would say um, another is, and I and again, I we're, are hopeful that this is a plan to really go a bit deeper. Um, is I think, as Councilmember Valenzuela very well put it, is is the trade-off conversation, right? So, um, you know, we need roads and we need transit, but we've got to figure out how to like, you know, and we also need to fix things as well as build new things. We can't build all the new things we said we want. We know we're gonna have some greenfield growth, but frankly, if that's all we do, and we just grow on our edge, um, the interior of our communities will, will suffer. So, um, so teasing out those trade-offs so that we are able to engage you all in a, like a actually serious policy conversation. And then I think the last piece, which we don't do a good enough job of, in fact, I was with the mayor last week, and they, the question was, what are the pieces of the, long, the current long-range plan in Sacramento County and all the cities that really are relevant? I, and I just had a one-pager, and you know, I'm not saying it was the greatest thing we've ever done, but it was nice to boil it down to a simple one-page, you know, translation, right? And so, um, I think having people understand what's in the plan and why it's exciting, and that it won't just happen on its own. Like we actually need to all get behind it and implement it, and get commitments from all of our local partner jurisdictions every city and county, every special district. I mean, we need to kind of own this together as a region and go get it, make it happen. Um, I don't think we've done a good enough job of that in the past. Thanks, James. That one too. When you're done. Oh, I'm, I'm done. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah. Looking no, forward I, to serving a, on SACOG. It's exactly so. the right question, especially as you're, you know, starting yeah. this venture. And I think maybe a little bit of history and context to add to what Mr. Corliss has been talking about, and your questions would be helpful. So this little bill that actually didn't start this, the blueprint, Sacramento area blueprint preceded SB 375. And it was the basis for the state law that I authored in 2006 and 2007 that took the blueprint idea statewide. And it was, and in some quarters, remains a very controversial law. And here's why. It creates uh, a tension. I think it's a healthy tension. Some may argue otherwise. 
between thinking and acting like a region, which as James said, is six counties and how many cities within, excuse me, and 22 cities within the six counties versus what we also take pride in, you all do as members of the, uh, individual members of districts and as a city, and that is local control. And how do you balance those two things? That has been ever present in the so-called Measure A debates over the last couple of years. And, and for a variety of reasons, I think we need to dissect that tonight, we, we have not succeeded. Maybe one lesson um, and a suggested path going forward um, to reconcile, if you will, the regional nature of the plan with local needs is to not make it either or in this way. Maybe the blueprint can and should be the starting point for how we think about the funding that we need for uh, our own needs within the city. Because ultimately, we're gonna have to ask the question in 2023 or 2024, do we need to go to the ballot? And do we want to go to the ballot? And frankly, from my perspective, I haven't made a conclusion yet, in part because I want the process to be different from the past. I want the planners with, with the community input that you described to lay out a template and a starting point for us that tells us what range of investments and what kinds of investments will combined not only provide greater equity, greater mobility, but also meet or exceed the 19% greenhouse gas standard that we've committed to. And by the way, to state the obvious, as I said today in an interview, you know, climate denialism is not chic these days. Nobody goes around saying that climate change isn't real, but when it comes to the decisions that sometimes we are called upon to make, climate not always come first. And maybe it should, in fact, not maybe, it must. We can't just ignore it, it has to be front and center. And so the blueprint is an opportunity for us to have that template, and as James said, not just a one template, but a series of, uh, of choices and options. But that's not the end of the story, because as good of a job as you are going to do and your team is going to do on seeking community input and identifying community priorities, we also have a city climate action plan. We also have uh, a climate commission that made uh, some bold recommendations that we have begun implementing. And so I could see a process going forward where, this, where, where the update of the SCS is in fact the, the starting point, a very important starting point, but then we add to it, we integrate the local community needs as identified by you and, your, and the communities you represent, informed by the Climate Action Plan, informed by the Climate Commission work, and the result of that, uh, of, of, of that work and that combination may lead us to the answer around what we need either citywide or countywide when it comes to funding. I think if we do it that way, it doesn't preclude any project. It just is a more inclusive way 
to involve the community, but also to use, I don't want to call it science, but to use the minds that are helping us reconcile all of these needs and, and use that work product as opposed to just all of us saying, well, these are the projects we want. Let's put them together and hope that the politics work out and we get a, we get a two-thirds vote or even a majority vote, because that hasn't worked. So I say your process is crucial, even if it's regional, even if it isn't the absolute end product for what we may decide to do funding-wise. Last point I want to make. The thing that has always um, struck me about SACOG is that even with the sustainable community strategy, it has felt to me like transportation and land use have dominated over housing. Even though housing is considered in terms of where housing should go. I just wonder if there is an even more active role when it comes to, for the region to help us figure out how we build enough housing and how we afford it and what types of housing are going to be needed um, for the regional government. Because there's nothing in the law I know that limits your jurisdiction to transportation and land use. And I know housing is a part of the sustainable community strategy but not in kind of a granular way like that we are challenged with. Like how do we fund more affordable housing? <laughs> how do we build a housing trust fund? Um, what, what innovations have we not thought of that would increase the role of quality manufactured housing in, in meeting the housing need and demand? So I always wanna go back to that with SACOG because um, I think you have the opportunity to expand your mission in a way. That might make some feel uncomfortable, but we need the housing expertise as much as we need the transportation and land use expertise. And Mayor, we, you know, I'm sure you know this and we work very closely with your staff on their general plan update and the housing element. And um, now with the state of California, right, we have the RENA mandate and there's a lot of money that we've been passing through through the so-called REAP program, but I think a similar question was asked in the Bay Area about five years ago, and they came up with a process they called CASA, which was a regional Bay Area housing strategy, which led to a series of bills in the legislature, which led them to a regional uh, bond finance authority just for housing in that region. Maybe we, what would it take to start that here in Let's our talk. region? Let's what? talk. Let's talk Let's about my people talk to your people. <laughs> That's right. Okay. No, I, I, I look, I, um, I think a lot of our jurisdictions, the housing crisis is not going away. We will never be the affordable alternative to the Bay Area anymore. As you said, Councilmember Gira, that's over, right? Uh, Zoom, COVID, we're now, we are a mega region for better or for worse. But we have many of our jurisdictions who are just struggling to figure out how to provide the right, right housing in the right locations for the right uh, income levels, and they can't necessarily do that all by themselves. So we have a regional housing crisis. What a great discussion. We do have one, uh, one member of the public who wants to speak. Uh, Mr. Davis, if you'll unmute. Yes, uh, this is Lambert, and I, 
I'm studying this, and I'm listening, and I've I've paid attention to Sekov for years. And the thing about me, you know, I have a background in working in construction years ago. And any time that you have a blueprint, no matter how you call it a blueprint or whatever, it has to be implemented, and the people that are implementing it should be held accountable whether they meet the goals. That's why I was impressed with what Mayor Steinberg was saying, is many ways to implement a blueprint. But when I hear it hasn't been successful, but I heard $600 million, and I hear these sort of things, uh, people have to be held accountable. I believe that if people's jobs, if they were terminated because they didn't implement it the way it was funded, then I think they would get it right, and they would be rewarded if they implement it as well. There has to be some sort of uh, reward punishment for the implementation of a blueprint. You can't throw a, the word blueprint out just haphazardly. That word means something. Blueprint. What I do is a blueprint to it. Everything's a blueprint. But they have to be held accountable. Otherwise, we'll be back. And this is a 20-year conversation we're talking about. Two decades. And I come from a background where when you study too long, you're studying wrong. So you should be terminated and bring in some new minds. But when you study too long, you're studying wrong. But great job, Mayor, on analyzing this thing because that's what it needed. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Mayor, I have no more speakers on this item. Okay, thank you. Um, James, thank you. Thank you to your team. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Council Members. We'll be, uh, we'll be in touch. We will. Okay? Really appreciate it. Thanks again. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> All right, members, that does conclude the uh, agenda for January the 17th, 2023. Is there public testimony and items not on the agenda? We do have one, I say. I, I have two speakers. First is Barbara Boyce and then Brian Watkins online. Ms. Boyce? I don't see... Is uh, Barbara here? Is Barbara here? Okay, I well, will go to online. Brian Watkins? Hey, good evening, Mayor Steinberg and members of the council. My name is Brian Watkins, and I live and run a business in the downtown area. Um, 24 hours ago, I had no intention of appearing before you tonight's meeting, but that all changed last night around 9 p.m. Uh, around 9 p.m. last night, as I was out walking my golden retriever around the Capitol, an untreated man with a stick and a metal rod started yelling obscenities, following us up the street, yelling, chasing me, you know, doing all sorts of things, and, you know, yelled some other things that I won't mention here, but this is a case you know, it went on for a few blocks and, you know, I was able to flag down a motorist by jumping in front of traffic on 10th. For whatever reason, at this point, the man chasing relented and seemed to go back in the direction where he came from. Filed a police report and life went on. However, while last night was the most dangerous situation I've encountered in my time here, it was by no means an isolated incident. In just the last year alone, my employees have complained about being followed from the parking garage by untreated individuals, the office while stepping over and through human feces. 
seeing untreated individuals doing untoward acts in public, listening to untreated individuals screaming and yelling at all hours of the day and night, causing untold amounts of property damage, watching untreated individuals doing all sorts of other things. And I mention all of this to illustrate that downtown Sacramento obviously has a homeless problem. And with all due respect, mayor and city council, you haven't done enough on this issue. And this meek solution fails to really get at the heart of these untreated folks that are causing issues. And, you know, we really need good examples and good solutions here. And I just ask that you take steps to empower SACPD and mental health professionals to spot troubled individuals like the one last night in the community and to be able to work proactively to remove them before they come into contact with individuals that are merely trying to enjoy our beautiful downtown area. And it was clear with the gentleman last night that he was not seeking help nor the solutions you have all provided. He was on another planet, detached from reality for crying out loud. He needed intervention from a professional. In summary, Thank I'm you just for your comments. Your time is complete. Good. I'm, I'm going to go first here before I turn it over to my colleagues. Um, I have one more caller. Go ahead. Our final speaker this evening is Lambert Davis. No, come on, Mr. Davis. Three times. Okay, let's move on, please. Thank you. Um, I, I want to thank the last caller for, um, for calling in. Uh, and I'm sorry for your experience. Um, this week, I know our, our team um, is going to be meeting with the county team to finalize um, some initial uh, significant steps in the implementation of the city-county partnership agreement. And I am planning next week from this dais um, together with the city manager um, to give a report to uh, you sir who called in and all of the members of uh, the, the public who rightfully expect uh, a plan of action in progress. Um, I will say that the city and county have done an outstanding job during the course of the, uh, the storm events in working together in ways that they have not before to open up uh, respite congregate shelter and it was a window into what is possible. Not but and this partnership agreement is a binding, legally binding document that calls on the city and the county to, to begin in a much more aggressive and assertive way and together to provide relief from the kind of uh, situation that the caller encountered uh, last night. And so uh, this week, there is going to be some significant discussions about how to jumpstart that agreement. And next week, I look forward, um, together with uh, city manager and or my colleagues to make a, a presentation to you about uh, where we are at and where we are going. Because I am not letting the month of January pass without a full report to the public about what our initial steps are going to be to create, to, to, to address this crisis of confidence. Because that's what it is. It's a crisis of confidence. And we've got a great team. The county has a great team. But it's the together and how we 
operationalize the together and the way we do it that's, that matters. And I am so darn proud of that agreement, but I gotta tell you, implementation is everything. Next week, we're gonna report on the beginning of real implementation. Thank you. Vice Mayor. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and, and first of all, let me just say uh, thank you for coming back uh, next week on, on the report on that. I know the partnership agreement spells out six months as our, our first report back and, and metrics, but I, I do think that uh, much more frequent engagement helps us at the early onset move forward. And I, 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 I wouldn't say it's a jump start because I think we've started. Um, I just, we have to have a much more faster and aggressive start, that's all. <clears throat> But I want to thank you again uh, for that uh, for uh, bringing that point up because uh, for those who, who don't who aren't uh, aren't uh, didn't watch the council meeting or the report uh, when we did the partnership agreement, uh, it does include the uh, the professional clinicians and the, the staff and everything that the caller was uh, was commented. But we just need we need that at uh, much more targeted and focused and, and uh, aggressive approach. So, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I've got one uh, one for the city uh, manager here um, item. I'd like to direct uh, the city manager and staff uh, to come to council with an item um, on the city's HAP 4 allocation uh, for the city council to consider, you know, the grants uh, for permanent supportive housing set aside. Um, we've been working with Hope Cooperative for a proposed room key project uh, in District 6. Uh, because of the, the timing and the application and, and uh, I, I think it's important that the city not leave money on the on the table. There, we've got we've been successful at Home Key, and I I think this is a an opportunity for us to be able to make a, a significant project happen. So, if um, Mr. City Manager and uh, the Mayor and I, uh, the staff have been working on this, I'd like to be able to bring that quickly so we don't miss that opportunity um, uh, to meet the state deadline application. Absolutely, Vice Mayor. Maybe we could have a discussion offline as well just to make sure we're talking about the, the same programming that uh, Hope Cooperative is bringing forward. Perfect, yes. Perfect, thank you. Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Mayor. Just two announcements I wanted just to share with the public. Um, I shared this last week during our council meeting, but wanted to let you know that next Monday we'll be kicking off our senior walk program. Uh, the neighborhood walk group uh, happens every Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays at 9 a.m. at the Pinnell Center lobby. Um, so really just want to take this opportunity to invite everyone to join us. Uh, we're going to have various incentive prizes and also new shoes for our senior participants. Um, definitely want to invite my colleagues if y'all want to join me on Mondays. I'm there every Mondays at 9 o'clock walking with their seniors, um, and it's really a great way to, to actually start the week. Um, and then my last announcement is I uh, just wanted to provide some updates on the 102 acres. Uh, next Wednesday, uh, we'll be hosting a community meeting on the 102 acres. The mayor will also be joining us. Um, and as many of you recall, last year we held multiple listening sessions uh, regarding the 102 acres, hundreds of attendees of all ages, race, ethnicity, housing status, uh, neighborhoods, and businesses attended these listening sessions. Uh, and these sessions were really meant uh, for them uh, to really share with us what they wanted to see uh, happen with 102 acres and to really help guide the development of the property. And so we will be having this session to provide updates on those findings and also provide next step from the city in terms of timeline. So wanted to make sure that I announced that. It's happening next Wednesday, January 25th, 6 to 7.30 at the Pinnell Community Center. Um, we definitely want folks to RSVP uh, because space is a little 
bit limited and we want to make sure we have enough refreshments provided. So you can RSVP online at www.heartandhustle.org backslash 102 acres update. That's backslash 102 A-C-R-E-S-U-P-D-A-T-E. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Jennings. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, for those of you who, who may not be aware, in the uh, Pocket Greenhaven area, we have a coyote running loose uh, in that area. And the coyote is, um, is thin, it's frail, um, it's, um, but it, it is causing fear among the residents. And so with that in mind, my office, along with the City of Sacramento Animal Control, will be hosting a meeting at the Robbie Waters Library tomorrow, uh, the 18th of January at 6 p.m. Uh, and that's for all residents who want to understand how to address this matter and what do we do as far as making sure that no one gets hurt. We're going to encourage all residents to bring uh, empty cans with pennies and or pebbles so they can make coyote shakers. If you've never made a coyote shaker in your life, this is an opportunity to uh, make the best looking coyote shaker so when the coyote is in your area or in your presence, you can shake your coyote shaker and that coyote will run the opposite way. So uh, they're gonna come there, they're gonna answer all questions, they're gonna demonstrate how to make uh, the noisemakers, uh, they're gonna talk about how to make sure you keep your family safe and also the things that can be done in order to bring the coyote in and to be able to take it uh, somewhere where it will not be a threat to our residents. So uh, that's gonna happen once again tomorrow at the Robbie Waters Library at 6 p.m. Um, so come on out for that. We also, uh, weather permitting in February, February the 4th, we want you to join us for uh, the Lewis Park tree planting. Uh, as long as the weather is permitting and the soil is not too moist, uh, you've seen the devastation with the wind and the rain as far as the number of trees that we've lost. This will start the process of replanting again in our parks uh, and in our community. And so I know all my colleagues will be doing the same uh, with the Sacramento Tree Foundation and Parks and Recs here in the city of Sacramento. Um, but we're gonna start replanting because this is the city of trees, the city that we love with all our heart and soul. We're gonna get back all the trees that we lost. And I see you out there nodding. I know you know this is the right thing to do. So we're gonna start that back. And um, as long as weather's permitting, That'll be on February the 4th from 9 to 12 p.m. at the Lewis Park. Uh, tools will be provided. All we ask that you wear appropriate clothing and wear sunscreen. Uh, Lewis Park is located at 6570 Park Riviera Way. And my office, you can contact my office if you didn't get any of this information. We'll give you all of this information, plus it'll be on our, on our website. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Councilmember. Councilmember Maple. Yes, I have two announcements, or one announcement for two different events. Um, so we're glad to have uh, Sacramento Juneteenth Incorporated hosting a couple of events at the Oak Park Community Center. Um, first one will be happening on January 19th, that's this week, and that will be a Martin Luther King slash civil rights themed essay contest. Um, so that's geared towards middle and high school students. Um, they will be submitting essays, expressing their sentiments regarding Martin Luther King and the importance of the civil rights movement. So excited about that. Um, the, the participants will be awarded uh, prizes and the top three winners will receive larger amounts of cash. So super excited. Um, so please come by the Oak Park Community Center from five to 8 p.m. on the 19th. 
And then on the 23rd, uh, there'll be a recognition of Black History Month. Um, so they'll be hosting a themed art contest uh, for, for artists from 17 to 24 years old. Um, and so that will be at the Oak Park Community Center between 5 and 8 p.m. So hope to see you there. Thanks. Very good. Events picking up. I love it. Councilmember Kaplan. I just want to thank everybody in our community that worked so hard yesterday to pull together uh, three different MLK events. I hope um, as we're always stronger together that we may find a way that as Councilmember Valenzuela, I heard bring up, um, that we could all end up at the Capitol where we start somewhere and come together um, because our community is always stronger um, together. So thank you for everyone for doing that. And then again, I needs to be said, our city staff, regional staff who have worked on these storms for almost two weeks um, finally get a small break. So kudos to all of them. Um, our levees held up, like we got some repairs, we got some seepage, we got some things we need to fix, but um, we all worked well together regionally, uh, city, state, county, uh, police, fire, and everyone else to keep us safe, um, and I'm appreciative of that. And then there are those who go above and beyond who wish to remain anonymous uh, for our unhoused community members. Um, this is a general shout out for everybody who does the work behind the scenes, doesn't want to be noticed, but is out there every day. Um, people do see you doing that. And so speaking in regards to um, our unhoused, one of the things that I know is on our city auditor's plate, and as we're going into the partnership and measure O, uh, with the county, um, I would like to, and I hope my fellow colleagues can reach out to the city auditor or uh, our city manager and express that I would like to expedite our audit of how we've used our funds for our unhoused neighbors and homelessness, not to say what we've done wrong, but as we're going into a partnership, I'm a big fan of audits because I think it's what we could look at how we've spent our money, what's working, how can we improve in what we're doing? And I think as we go, we're going into budget deficits. So we really need the budget information on what's working, what do we keep, what do we expand, and what is something that we can divert becomes part of the partnership. And I see audits as a great way to do that so that I hope that that's something we can reach out and expedite getting that done sooner rather than later. Thank you. Councilmember Kaplan, I fully support that. I think that's really gonna be a function of this council can, uh, um, contacting the city auditor to reprioritize that audit. I, I actually like from budget audit. and audit. There is it's it's already, in progress. yeah, I've actually requested for that in budget and audit because we yeah. want to see how um, how we spent those dollars throughout all of our departments. Um, and so I, I think we also heard from Councilman Kaplan that that's urgent as well. We'll make sure to reiterate that in budget and audit because that was a request um, from our committee. It, it, and it is on the table to do, but I think it's, as a matter of is it a priority for all of this? And I would hope that everybody can reach out to our city auditor and say that is actually the priority of what we should be focusing on right now. Yep, I, uh, let's, let's find out his timeline, his office's timeline now, and, um, and then make it clear it is a priority, because you're right, as we're going to this partnership, we wanna make sure we're maximizing all our dollars. Okay, Councilmember Lilloe. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. Um, just to echo uh, what my colleagues have said, I, I really want to thank the city staff, code, uh, public works, um, utilities, uh, especially SMUD, for really, um, from where I was sitting and uh, looking, doing a great job to do this recovery from this massive storm that really I didn't think it's going to be 
this severe, you know, typically um, if the weatherman says it's raining, I'm assuming that it probably rains for about two minutes, but this time they were actually <laughs> real. So I, I, great um, thanks to um, all the staff. Um, I also want to thank uh, the Roberts Family Development for um, hosting the MLK March in my in District 2 yesterday. It was phenomenal. Um, but I also want to echo what uh, Councilmember Kaplan alluded to, and that is, and I, I mentioned this yesterday, that, um, you know, I learned about Dr. Martha Luther King, not in this country, but in my homeland of Iran. So the name is international. And the one thing that he, he was very big on was unity. And so, you know, the, the goal is, as, as you indicated, if we can start a march and meet somewhere in numbers and, and, and hopefully we, we can demand changes and policy changes in one voice and so we can see a better future. So I, I just want to thank everybody that was involved in, the, in, in all the marches yesterday. Um, do, I do have a question. Um, Regarding the 102 acres um, in Council Member um, in Mayor Pro Temp uh, Vang's district, have we received? Did we get the easement on that property yet? I know that was a big wait. We have, but uh, you know we're also working with the adjacent property owners to get access. Just it's a function of what's going to be more cost effective because coming from the federal um, property to the uh, to the property we purchased, it's a pretty long run, and so we're looking at other alternatives that could be less um, costly. But as far as the federal government goes, yes. we got these. Yes. Fantastic. And my second question, um, Mayor uh, Pro Temp, during your community meetings, I know initially when this 102-acre land came on the table, um, the discussion primarily was, you know, um, housing and uh, low-income housing. During your last year conversation with the community, um, has that come up? Is that something being considered? And if so, is it a, a portion of that land that we're kind of dedicating to that? Because it is 102 acres. Um, and I know you have you know, a lot more meetings coming up. And you don't have to answer me now, maybe after those meetings. But I just want to make sure, is the element of um, affordable housing part of those conversations, and if so, what portion of this property is being utilized for that? Thank you for your question. If that yeah. has come up. You know, I don't yeah. want to get, well, ahead, get well, ahead of myself. On well, this. one, I will definitely but, invite you to our community conversation happening next week at the 102 Acres Update, so we'd encourage you to attend. Um, there is a strong commitment from my office and what I've heard from the community to ensure that we have affordable housing. Let me, in terms let me of if I may, I'm sorry, I'm just concerned. I don't mean to interrupt, but that this isn't on the agenda, oh. and so... So oh. just be a little concerned that we I'll don't, call you later. We don't that, yeah, we you don't, can call me as well. But I, we, we, sh we need to agendize, huh. especially as Councilmember Vang uh, continues to uplift the community and with the passage of Measure N and all the great things we have mm -hmm. planned together. Uh, yeah, no, my apologies. I, I know no, that no, no uh, Mayor Pro Time is championing this and yeah. I have full confidence that it's going to come out okay. Just wanted to get an update, but we'll talk later. Um, uh, one of the concerns I have, uh, Mr. City Manager, and I don't know how we're going to approach this. Uh, recently, I read that between J.P. Morgan and BlackRock, each one has set aside $1 billion uh, to purchase houses the minute we hit that recession with some of the foreclosures and what have you. And their plan is to have about 30 to 35, no, I'm sorry, 45 to 55% of the houses available for 
rental and keep the rest of them vacant, obviously, to keep the rent uh, elevated. Do we have any kind of um, program or any kind of a uh, platform that would we can manage this um, before they hit the city and gobble up all the available single family? So houses. two things on that is I've not heard that. Uh, second is what you're talking about is the council taking a defensive posture and we've not considered what that could look like or if this council wants to do something like that. Well, I, 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 I read, I just wanted to, maybe you and I can discuss it. I'll, I'll yeah. discuss it with uh, Mr. Mayor. Okay. Thank you so much. And uh, last but not least, um, as majority of you know, um, I am originally from Iran and there's a big turmoil and a, um, what started as uh, protest has turned into a revolution. In the last 100 days, about 20,000 people have been arrested. Um, over 2,000 people have been killed. Um, almost 99% of the women that are getting arrested, um, they're getting um, abused and raped. And uh, now they just announced that by the end of this week, they're gonna hang um, a 16-year-old for, um, uh, for protesting. During this time, there is approximately about um, roughly about 50 individuals that are under age 16 that has also been killed by uh, military weapons. So um, I've talked to the mayor already and uh, um, my office is gonna, uh, is working on a resolution that um, I'll send to each one of you and hopefully I can get your support on this because there's a genocide taking place in that country and I just wanna make sure we're all aware of it. And the rights of, uh, you know, fighting for the right of woman and um, in particular the LBGT community that is, and human rights that's not being watched or controlled whatsoever. So um, I hope that I can get your support on, on that resolution. I will say. Well, uh, Thank you very much. I Mr. promise you we will agendize that resolution. Okay. Okay. Unless it has to go through committee first, we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> just you got hey you have a let me tell you you she was he was kidding you have an excellent chair who I undoubtedly would be sympathetic to this cause so we will follow this we will follow the process we may follow the process okay uh, councilmember Talamantes. There you go. All right. There you go. Um, I also just want to thank city staff for coming out. South Potomac was pretty flooded. Um, I myself was really flooded and was stuck in my home for about two hours and tried to get water out of my home. And it was frustrating, um, scary, but our neighborhood came together. I mean, everyone came outside, got their shovels, their rakes, and we just kind of bonded over, I mean, a terrible thing. But um, thank you to city staff, especially Parvani. Uh, for sending me updates about the sump stations in my area. Um, so just thankful for staff. And then Councilmember Lololi, uh, your report on Black Rock and Invitation Homes and Open Door to protect people in the area is welcomed on my end too. So uh, city manager, if you can look into that on how we can protect homes in the area so that people here in the area can buy them, that'd be wonderful. That, that would be a perfect opportunity, all kidding aside, for Lawn Ledge to take up as an item to be heard. So, so I just I, want to I say, we're going to call on you in a minute, Barbara, okay? We're, we're not I know you came sparing back. off 
you know, businesses because, again, you know, people that want to come and buy a house as an investment, one or two, I, I can see that. But, but when, yeah, we need to stop. Thank you, Sean. So I, I'm going to say the final word on, on the thank yous uh, for a moment here. I know it's not a popular political slogan to say it could have been worse. But really, when you think about what we have been through over these last couple of weeks, it really could have been worse. And that's accepting, of course, people who lost their lives, including the two unhoused uh, people has been well reported, because that's, that's terrible and you can't repair the loss of life. But when you think about the enormity of the storms, the enormity of the street flooding, the amount of um, difficulty and challenge that this community uh, faced, it's pretty remarkable that it wasn't worse. And a lot of that is attributable to preparation. You think about flood control and how this community has made flood control a priority for decades. Um, the federal government, Congresswoman Matsui and uh, state leadership and local leadership, including the people assessing themselves consistently to build up our levees and it, it and then add to that this incredible staff, this city team. I saw it out at the courtyard several times. And it's not just our city staff, it's the county staff, it's the SMUD uh, frontline workers. I mean, so many unsung people are out there making the terrible a little less terrible and helping us recover faster. And so I know, Howard, sometimes you feel like um, we don't do enough or say enough or recognize the incredible public service that the men and women who work for this city perform on a daily basis. I just want you to know that uh, we see it, and we have certainly seen it uh, over the last couple of weeks in, in, in major ways. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. And, and I, we do see it. And the city staff, more than seeing it, they feel it. Because many of you have come out to the Department Operations Center, uh, sandbag stations, you know, had conversations with Councilmember Talamantes with the flooding. Uh, we have been inundated. I mean, the, the flooding in South Natomas, it, we had this downpour. It was like people were pouring buckets of water down on her neighborhood. And it just overwhelmed our sump pumps. But it took us a couple hours to catch up. But uh, no, I, I appreciate uh, all of you really for coming out and supporting the team in a real way. And like I said, they, uh, I've heard nothing but positive feedback. And uh, this is really an, a, a testament to just the preparation you talk about, yeah. the exercising all year round, even when it's sunny skies. And we have a really great team. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, finally, uh, we do have a member of the public that had to step out who's now back, and I want to give her the opportunity. And don't forget the tree. To take your two minutes. Barbara, and then we will adjourn. Thank you. Trees everywhere. Delivering. Welcome. You have two minutes. Thank you. Delivering groceries throughout the streets. There's tree bundles everywhere. So if anyone wants to go into a tree business, I'll tell you. Just need a good chainsaw. So hi, I'm Barbara. I'm back again. I want to stay more engaged with the council, with the city. Um, God is very much a part of my mission in my life right now. And he says, get out there get some solid housing, and get some community. So that's what I need to do, is connect community with my housing. My housing with my community. It's gonna be like one in the same thing. 
where I go into my living room, go into my kitchen, make a little meal, go sit in the living room, and I'm sitting with community, even if nobody's there, but God's there. And that's where I need to go. Thank you. So I did talk with Michael Jassel, who did get back to me today and refer me to somebody else. So anybody else, uh, my information's on a slip of paper somewhere. Just um, please, I'm going to stay in contact and make every meeting. All right, thank you. God bless. Thank you. If there's nothing else to come before the city council, we're adjourned.